The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Hey guys, before we get to the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Pro Football Focus. Prepare to win this season with PFF Fantasy. PFF offers the most in-depth stats and analysis to give you a massive edge over your competition. Use their data-driven projections and matchup tools to find breakout players. Sit back and follow Jeff Ratcliffe's expert rankings all season long. And don't waste another season guessing which players to draft or to fade. Use PFF Analytics to optimize every draft pick trade offer, and DFS lineup. Sign up at pff.com and use promo code PFF25 to save 25% on your order. Are you a high-stakes player? Then join PFF Elite to access their Green Line game picks for NFL and college games. Green Line shows you which picks have the highest confidence to beat the spread, money line, and over-under. Join PFF today and prepare to win. Go to pff.com and use promo code PFF25 to save 25% for a limited time. You are entering the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour with Josh Dunn and Anshu Khanna. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I, myself, Josh Dunn, am very excited for this show, and I've got Anshu Khanna to help walk me along. I'm excited to talk about how miserable I am, Anshu, but how are you? Oh, man. this I I would say that this is probably one of the most exciting episodes individually of the season, of the, of the year for me, just in that we get to get the full-on, unadulterated Josh Dunn AFC North experience. If you haven't had it before, I just, man, sit back and enjoy. It's going to be electric. I don't even know if enjoyable is the right word. I mean, we're talking about my Cincinnati Bengals who are just going to fumble their way through this season. And, you know, I'm going to be a miserable sports fan again, which they've, they've done this to me most of my life. But I feel like this year we're really going to have that elevated. I, I I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not so confident as you are or lack of conf- unconfidence, but I, I'm I'm excited to get your perspective nevertheless. All right. Well, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll close things out with the Bengals. Uh, but we did want to start with some things that maybe aren't going to break my heart. So a lot of the talk lately has been about the story with Baker Mayfield. And we're going to talk about the Browns more specifically later from a fantasy standpoint and a betting perspective with all of our lines supplied by BovadaSportsBook.com. But wanted to just get your thoughts on the Baker Mayfield story. Also, Odell Beckham has been in the news the last couple of days. Uh, but the big thing that initially came out from the GQ, GQ article that uh, Baker Mayfield was featured in was that he thought that basically Daniel Jones was a joke, to paraphrase, and that they couldn't, he couldn't believe that he was drafted that high. Then he walks that back and posts on Instagram saying he's heard nothing but good things and it was taken out of context and that anybody will do anything for clickbait. I, for one... Don't necessarily believe that that walking back was genuine, but I'd like to hear your thoughts as somebody slightly less biased. I I mean, I, I think that – so, all right, this is tough for me, but I, I think that he clearly was making a comment about Daniel Jones being drafted that high and that the Giants – we're going out of their way to take a player who fit the criteria of the normal NFL quarterback. I, having read that GQ article, I think that was the point he was trying to make. But obviously, he said what he said, and there's no taking that back. I mean, he literally says, I cannot believe the Giants took Daniel Jones. Blows my mind. Right. I mean, like there's no – and then later on he says some people overthink it. That's where people go wrong. They forget you've got to win. So basically what he's saying, I think it's clear, is you know if you take the stereotype, the, the pro- prototype of the NFL quarterback, you know you could get yourself into trouble. And 
in so doing, he totally threw Daniel Jones under the bus. And I think that that's just sort of Baker Mayfield for you. Like if you if you like the honesty and the candor that he sort of delivers all the time, then you probably didn't mind this. If you don't, I think that it comes off extremely disrespectfully for me personally. I'm not a big fan of this this side of him. Um, and, uh, you know, generally he's been able to protect his character. And the thing that I think we'll talk about later today and you know, generally speaking with them is they're going to get hit with adversity with Mayfield. They haven't gotten there yet. And when they do, how do they react to it? How does the team react to it? How does the league react to it? So far, it's been mostly rosy, but I think that there's a potential for blowups for sure. You know, I heard an excellent comparison today. I don't even know who I was listening to, but I heard the comparison of this year's Browns being compared to last year's San Francisco 49ers. And oh, it just completely... Wow blew up in the Niners' face when Garoppolo went down. And I, I, I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield is going to get injured. I'm just saying that the hype around this team is just at an, in another stratosphere right now. And I just – I mean, we're going to talk about the Browns again, but the, the Baker stuff, for me, it's it's just – you again, why put yourself in that position? I mean, obviously he's one of the most talked about sporting figures right now. And, you know, you see him doing his beer chug at the game and – you know, everything about this guy's persona has just been blown up to another level. He's the savior of Cleveland sports right now for what it's worth. And, you know, with that is going to come opportunities to build yourself up from a character standpoint or break yourself down character wise. And I don't necessarily know that this breaks him down character wise, but his haters like me are going to just eat this stuff up and just talk about how how bad of a look it is for him. And at the end of the day, like you could think what you want about Daniel Jones, but just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it was taken out of context because I did read the article and, you know, he, he basically said that he, he was surprised that he was taken number one overall. And, but I, I still, I mean, it's just, you're, you're, you're kind of putting that target on your back unnecessarily before you really need to. And I just, I think that there's going to be a lot of players out there who can't wait to hit Baker Mayfield this season. For sure. I mean, he's he's definitely unlike a quarterback that we've seen in a long time. I mean, I, I've always thought that he reminded me a little bit of, you know, at least on the field, he's like got that Brett Favre-ness. But off the field, he he definitely doesn't have like the certain level of maturity. maturity for sure. Yeah, exactly. He's just he doesn't have it. And I mean, he maybe he'll get there. Um, you know, you can see he's fighting himself at times. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this goes because I, I could see it going any direction. And I understand the people that like him. I think from a Cleveland perspective, we have friends. You're a fan of a team from that city. I think it's cool that he's embraced that town the way that he has. But I think that there are, or there are many reasons to rightfully be annoyed with his sort of shtick. I think that the Hugh Jackson stuff was kind of odd. And, you know, the Duke Johnson stuff even pissed off his own teammates. So, you know, it's not all perfect. And, and you know, how he they deal with adversity again is going to be very interesting because, you know, they have Odell Beckham. They do have explosive personalities. And Dan Bowers to Kareem Hunt. I mean, there's a ton of other guys like that. And, and you know, our, our last show with Dan Bauer, he talked about – you know, the fact that this team doesn't have explosive potential in a negative way. I mean, I think that's just being naive. Anybody with a brain and eyes can see that this thing has the opportunity to turn into something bad because Baker Mayfield has put himself out there. You have to expect that that could happen. Yeah, and that I think is going to be the toughest test of his maturity is seeing how he handles any adversity that he faces this season because there will certainly be adversity not everybody's going to make it through the season healthy they rarely do and you know you've got a guy in Odell Beckham Jr. who's another just just polarizing personality that has been injured almost every year he's been in the league you know Baker's not exactly the biggest guy either so you you you, you just don't know I'm not rooting for anybody to get hurt but it, it, injuries happen teams break down throughout the season you have a first year head coach who you know just a year or so ago was a running backs coach in this league. So obviously that relationship that he built with Baker Mayfield gets him to that point, but there, this is not like, I, I get that they're being crowned and we're going to get to some of the lines that our friends over at Bovada sportsbook, uh, com have for us, but there, there's just, people are so high on this team. And this is a team who didn't make the playoffs last year. They do add a lot of pieces, but we'll get to the, the, the specifics of it, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out because I, to your point, I think it could go 
quite a few different ways when you look at it. All right, Anshu, we're going to get to our AFC North preview. Before we do that, uh, real quickly, just uh, as we've done the last couple weeks, I want to tell you about NFL Game Pass, where you get every out-of-market preseason game live. And with preseason underway, your season can start now with NFL Game Pass. It's week three. You can get a first look at all the rookies and all the players on new teams. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place, Anshu. I know I'm most excited to watch the Cleveland Browns lose this preseason, (laughs) primarily because of all of the personalities we just touched on. And with NFL Game Pass, I can watch those Cleveland Browns live even when I'm out of market here in Chicago. If I miss the games, I will be able to replay them after they're aired. Whatever game you want to watch this preseason, you're going to need NFL Game Pass to do so if you're out of market, and you and I both are, my friend. Can the Browns, like we mentioned, show those signs that they're an early playoff contender, as I hope they won't be? Uh, we talked about these Cowboys a couple weeks ago. How do the pieces fit in there? Are they going to be able to to gel the way we hope that they will? Uh, America's team, after all. And the Jets, we, we talked about the Jets and Le'Veon Bell. Can they challenge the Patriots? Can can Sam Darnold get this team to the promised land uh, in his second season? But make sure you see all this action this preseason with NFL Game Pass. And best of all, you can kick it off for the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass if you sign up now at NFL.com slash Fantasy Hour. Okay, two teams in Ohio. We're going to hold off on them for now. Let's start with the Baltimore Ravens, the least hated team of mine in the AFC North on you. And they obviously expect to take a huge leap forward this year with Lamar Jackson having a full season as QB1. What do you think of these Baltimore Ravens here as we look toward this uh, season? I had the opportunity to watch the Ravens play their last preseason game against my Packers. And the one thing that stood out to me about them, which won't come as a surprise to you, I don't think, but it was noticeable to me was how awesome their defense is and I I don't just mean their starters I mean every level of their defense hits hard doesn't make mistakes is flying around but like I mean Wink Martindale's that what they've got going defensively is very impressive and when you talk about the rich getting richer I mean adding Earl Thomas you know having Tony Jefferson Marlon Humphrey Jimmy Smith Matt Judon I mean yes they did lose a Darius Smith who looks like he's going to be a real player for the Packers but um you know the rest of these guys defensively I think that this is a a scary team they draft the sack daddy in Jalen Ferguson uh you know they've they've got a ton of talent up and down this defense but my concern from a fantasy perspective is the offense and while Lamar Jackson was a guy I really liked out of Louisville and I thought that you your boys would have been you know very smart to maybe pick up I, I you know he proved me a little bit wrong with his passing or lack thereof in the first season um and then you know I I just they didn't really put anything around him uh, as far as receivers go they don't they add uh, Hollywood Brown, but it looks like he's likely to miss the early season. I mean, they lose John Brown. They're basically going to roll with Miles Boykin, Chris Moore, Willie Sneed, and then yeah, they're hoping Hollywood gets back. I mean, that's that might be the core. that might be the worst receiving core in the in football. Like that's that's horrible. And then their running backs. You know, they do add Mark Ingram to a list of you know several backs, but man, it's it's not like they're doing Lamar Jackson a ton of favors here. And so, um, you know, if you're looking for a lot of fantasy production out of your quarterback, I mean, you're really counting on Jackson to go for a thousand rushing yards, I think. Yeah, and I think he could do that. I mean, that's your one saving grace when you look at Jackson. Bovada's got them at plus 300 for the Ravens at the third best odds to win the AFC North. Uh, do you think that's fair? I mean, I, I, I think the, we'll get to the Steelers' odds, but I think a plus 300 might be a little under uh, what I would have expected them to do coming into this season. Yeah, I think it's a nod to the Browns and how much money is coming in on them from the public because of all the stuff we opened with. And, you know, I, I mean, I think that the, that's a bargain. Like, I, I really do think that this defense, if Earl Thomas can stay healthy, which is, a, again, a huge if, but if they can plug him in uh, to the back end, I mean, that's a that is incredible to be able to upgrade from Weddle to him over the years. I mean, that's that's a really nice fit. And so, um, you know, again, I just wish that Hollywood would stay healthy because I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. And um, I just I think that, you know, they just didn't put enough around. And I don't know how they build this. They have Greg Roman as their new offensive coordinator, which is a good thing because he engineered Tyrod Taylor's offense in Buffalo to, you know, a playoff berth. But I just I don't love that. And um, but, yeah, plus 300 seems like a bargain with how good that defense is going to be. 
Yeah, but I agree with you when it comes to fantasy. There really just is not much there on that offense. I do like Mark Ingram. I think he takes a big step forward. Uh, he had some issues last year. I think he was suspended for a few games, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, obviously playing alongside Alvin Kamara. Uh, I think Ingram could be a guy that that uh, has some high level of production. Gus Edwards step, stepped up uh, in a big way last year, but I just – He's such a I, – I see him more as a Jerome Bettis type, maybe a goal lineback that can get you some touchdowns here and there, but it's a tough risk when you look at week to week. And Baltimore just – I don't know that Baltimore's really figured out the best way to use their running backs, and we'll see how Mark Ingram fits into that scheme. But I think those are two guys on this team that you can you can kind of bank on, especially, you know, Anshu, we've talked about two quarterback leagues. I know it, there's not a ton of those out there, but we have one, and if you have one of those, Lamar Jackson's a great guy to have as your second quarterback with what he can do with his legs for sure. For sure. I mean, if you look at the games he started, he starts six game. I'm sorry, seven games, and he basically had 600 yards rushing in those seven. So just you know, multiply that by two, and that's what you're likely to get out of him, assuming he can stay healthy despite that frame, and you know, assuming he takes a little bit of a step up passing wise. We talked about Mitch Trubisky last show. Um, you know, I think that you could definitely see Lamar Jackson having you know, a much better season than what Trubisky had last year over a 14, 15 game span, even with that lack of those lack of receivers. And let's not forget with the one position we're not talking about is tight end where they have three top flight picks. I mean, none of them have really burst onto the scene, but you've got Nick Boyle, you've got Mark Andrews, and then you've got Hayden Hurst. So, um, you know, they definitely have players there in a very good offensive line. It's just, you know, can you swallow the fact that Lamar Jackson's probably not getting you more than 220 yards passing in any given game? That's that's the battle. Are you willing to draft one of those tight ends, or are you going to wait and see what happens and how that shakes out? Because I feel like that's a risk that we've seen so often in the NFL, where there's three, two, two or three guys who could be very good tight ends, but none of them ends up being, and that's just a tight end by committee. Yeah, I. I mean, and the Ravens are the the worst with this, I think, of like any team. But I, I would say maybe late you go Mark Andrews if your league drafts a lot of tight ends. But, I mean, he is he's towards the end. We're going to talk about probably three tight ends I'd rather have today um, in this division. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't see myself taking any of them. I'd, let, I'd rather let it play out, like you said. Yeah, and one of those teams that's had some tight end, uh, you know, by committee has been the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know that – we're going to spend some talk, time talking about my hatred for the Steelers, but really a lot of that hatred starting to fizzle just because their core is not intact anymore. We, we all know what happened with Le'Veon Bell. We all know what happened with Antonio Brown. Ben Roethlisberger is the last man, man standing. You know, they bring back James Conner, who played really, really well with Bell out for most of the season. You have Juju Smith-Schuster, who's broken onto the scene as a, as a true number one ride receiver. But I just I don't know what to expect out of Pittsburgh this year. I mean, you look at Vegas and look at what Bovada has. Bovada has Pittsburgh at plus 190 with the second-best odds to win the AFC North. I don't know if I'm there with that. I think Baltimore at plus 300 to me is a much better bargain than Pittsburgh at plus 190. But let's talk fantasy first, Anshu. What do you think about this Pittsburgh Steeler offense? Do you think Ben Roethlisberger can continue to be productive with the makeshift roster that they've kind of built from within? I I don't think so. No, I mean I I know that's not a huge leap, but I'm down on the Steelers this year. I totally agree with you. The Ravens are a much better deal at that price point. Um, I I just I think Roethlisberger is due. You know, he we were talking about him possibly retiring a year ago, and now he suddenly found the fountain of youth. He doesn't have Antonio Brown there, which I guess is a good thing for him. They still have a bunch of receivers. I mean, they James Washington looks awesome in preseason. Dante Moncrief, you know, has been always a super tantalizing prospect. It's just a matter of you know actually producing to that level and. You know, like you said with James Conner, I mean, he's he's a good player uh, at running back, but I just they lose Mike Munchak as their uh, as their uh, offensive line coach, maybe the best offensive line coach in all of football, the side of Dante Scarnecchia. I mean, he's just that's a that's a huge loss for the Steelers, and I think that that's going to impact the way that they look. They just can't pass as much as they have in the past, I don't think, or if they do, it's not going to go super well for them. I'm I'm just a little bit down on this offense. I think they're all still obviously very much draftable, but I just don't see myself coming away with a lot of Steelers this year. Me neither, but the one person I'm kind of looking at as a sleeper this year is Jalen Samuels. He played very well when given the opportunity last year. Connor's going to get a ton of touches this year, but I think Samuels is a guy who can kind of change the pace, get a lot of catches out of the backfield. I mean, he looked great. 
uh, as a receiving back last year. And I think he's a guy that can continue to get more looks in that backfield. And I think he earned that uh, last year with the time that he was in there. So if there is a guy on this roster I like, Jalen Samuels is definitely it. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to go way higher than he's probably worth. Uh, Dante Moncrief is a guy that's just been so inconsistent. I just think, I think you know, about his time in uh, Indianapolis, but he reminds me of... I, I don't know why, but he just he just reminds me of the Jaguars receiving core. Everybody there, you're like, they could be good, but then they have one good game, and you're like, this is the Dante Moncrief I know. And then he, wasn't know, he, he there last for year? A few weeks, he was. Uh, yeah, yeah, but he, he was in Indy before that, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Dante Moncrief. That's probably why he reminds me of the Jaguars' receiving core because he, <laughs> he was the epitome of it last year. But right, but he, he, you know, he's had his issues with injuries as well during his career. So we'll see how things pan out. I mean, I, I think that this is an interesting team just because I think that their defense has gotten a lot better. They they draft Devin Bush, who I wanted the Bengals to take. Obviously, T.J. Watt probably takes another step in the right direction. Uh, you know, I I, I do kind of like that that defense. Defense, but their secondary has always been a bit of a question mark, and I think that now with the air attack that they're going to see in their in this division, uh, you know, obviously with Lamar Jackson more on the ground, but then when you look at the Bengals, they're going to try to air it out this year, which we'll get to, and obviously Cleveland is going to be throwing the ball quite a bit. So if that secondary can hold up, is going to be a big question mark here for this Pittsburgh Steelers team, and I just. I don't know. I, I'm not high on them either, and I, like I want to be super excited that they're going to be middle of the road and mediocre. But just when you think they're down and out, they they, <laughs> they come back and they surprise you and make the playoffs. Which in this division, I, I wouldn't even be surprised by that either. I I thought you were going to say just when you thought that you'd be able to have the sweet relief of a rival sucking, then you have another one taking up the mantle of being extremely hateable. So oh, we'll get uh, there. <laughs> now, I, I mean, there is one piece on this offense that I'm I'm very interested in, and that's Vance McDonald. I think that he is, you know, he they finally are giving him the keys to the car at tight end. There, they haven't had, they really haven't ever had a tight end. You know, they had Heath Miller for a while there, but since you know the end of his era, and even then, he was always kind of like a lackluster fantasy option. I think you could see some of those vacated targets from Antonio Brown go in Vance McDonald's direction. So that's that's a name I look for. But I, I agree with you. Generally speaking, I think that secondary is really going to hurt them. They do always find, you know, a way to get the diamonds in the rough the way Mike Tomlin, you know, obviously played uh, safety back in the day. And so, you know, he, he does find a way with some of those corners of making them better. But I just think that there's they that's an exploitable secondary and that's going to be a problem for them. Yeah, Bovada's got them at plus 1,200 to win the AFC. I know we talked about their odds wow. in the division, but that's the Damn. sixth best odds to win the AFC championship and a pretty big leap ahead of Houston, who's the the number seven odds, and he, uh, mm. way, way up there in front of Baltimore. I mean, I, I just am not that. I don't see them as a playoff team, and, and clearly Bovada and Vegas do. I think it's, you know, one of those things that you have to look at with odds sometimes is that, and the odds makers do this on purpose, but they skew so heavily towards fantasy. And I mean, when you look at this roster and you bring up those names, the Connors and the, you know, the Smith Schusters and Roethlisberger and all those guys, I mean, you're, you know, you're captivated by those names. But then the reality is like, when you look, when you list the guys top to bottom, one to 22, um, you know, the starters, then even the two deep, I mean, the Ravens are just a better team, I think, top to bottom. I, I really think that defense, I'm telling you, I, I just – and the coaching too. I, I really buy into what Baltimore has over what Pittsburgh has. I don't want to give them too much credit because, again, I think that they, they're lacking in the skill front. But I just think this is one of those scenarios where fantasy overtakes reality. Fair enough. And we're going to talk more about reality and fantasy. But before we do get to Ohio, let's talk a little bit about Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Uh, Yahoo's officially released their week one daily fantasy football contest for us, Anshu. I know you've had an eye on that. We've talked a little bit about it off the air, but they have a $1 million contest for week one with no management fee and $100,000 to first place, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. 10 entry max. You're not going to be playing against People with 150 lineups on the like on some other sites, uh, Yahoo's got a hundred thousand dollar guaranteed contest. So there's going to be lots of prizes out there for you guys who are going to be playing in Week One. Uh, if you're just getting started with daily fantasy football and you've never tried it before, feel free to enter Yahoo's free Yahoo Cup and play all season long. Hundred fifty thousand dollars in weekly and season long prizes, and if you get a perfect lineup. You're going to win $1 million. Anshu, you've had enough perfect lineups in your lifetime that this has to sound enticing to you. Oh, so I, yeah. I, I challenge you, my friend, and I know you're already a part of this family, but get if you have not... 
get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. And we, we had one of Yahoo's finest on the show last week on you. And I listened to it the other day. I mean, Brad Evans, great insight. Yahoo's always done a great job with their rankings, but their daily fantasy. I mean, they, they've got to be one of the top, top, top notch right now in that, in that space. For sure. Again, no management fee is huge fan of Yahoo in general. I like their interface. We have our favorite league is run through Yahoo. I mean, they do a great job. Brad Evans was awesome. Um, some great personalities in there. Definitely go check them out. Utilize them as a resource and uh, win some cash. Please do. All right, let's talk about the team in Northeast Ohio that I will not name. Uh, just kidding. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns a little bit more. We already talked about them to lead off the show and some of the off the field. So let's touch on some of the on the field stuff, particularly with fantasy football. And then we'll touch on the odds that Bovada's got up there for us. But uh, I, do you think Baker Mayfield is legitimately, you know, all things considered right now, a top five fantasy football quarterback? No chance. No way. I mean, if you if you say that you're taking a leap, it's fine if you think that he will end up being it. But there's just no way you can really say that right now. I know the last few weeks when he had Freddie Kitchens as his head coach, he was, I believe, top 10. And then they obviously did add Odell Beckham. But I just don't know how you can really say that with any conviction when you think of, you know, some of the other guys that clearly deserve that mantle. When you think of, you know, obviously I'm a little bit biased, but Aaron Rodgers comes back with a real uh, offensive coach. You know, you, you look at, you know, Andrew Luck, if he's able to stay healthy and with the pieces they've added to that offense, all the guys we've talked about, Patrick Mahomes taking a step up. I just, I, I believe in Mayfield and that offense and that talent. I think that they're going to be good. I, I do. But I don't think that top five seems outlandish. And by the way, he will go top five amongst quarterbacks in our two quarterback league. I can almost guarantee you that. I think that's safe to say. And, you know, he's going to put up numbers this year. I think you're going to see more inconsistency than people expect. There tends to be uh, somewhat, and I, I say that very, very lightly, but there tends to be somewhat of a regression for second-year quarterbacks oftentimes because they've had a year of playing on film. And I think that, you know, mm -hmm. at this level in the NFL defenses, just, they're just more intuitive. They're smarter. Your coaches are better. Uh, so I think that there could be a slight regression, but to, to make up for that regression, you have a, a high increase in the level of talent on the offensive side of the ball. When you bring in guys like Odell Beckham Jr., you know, Nick Chubb's now got a year under his belt, and he's going to be the bell cow running back for this team. Uh, they'll get Kareem Hunt back after a suspension. Antonio Callaway, uh, you know, has a year under his belt, and people expect big things out of him. So they do have a lot of talent around Baker Mayfield, which should give him the ability to, to, to kind of – you know, stave off some of those uh, second-year demons. But I, I don't – I agree. I don't think he's a top-five quarterback. I think he's going to be throwing a, a few more interceptions than a lot of his uh, – you know, his – the people that are very high on Baker feel like he will. But I think this is a year that, that he's going to he, – maybe not regress, but I, I think I think Baker Mayfield is going to probably be the most overrated quarterback going into this season. And obviously I, I have a little bit of that negative bias toward him, but – I, I think he's a he's going to put up numbers. He's somebody that you should draft. He's he's not even if you not, are not in a two quarterback league. He's somebody that you should definitely go after. But for me, he would not be my number one quarterback if I'm in a twelve team league and there's not two quarterbacks starting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you are never going to get him, which is good. I mean, if that's if that's what you want, you're going to fade him. But he, you know, other other guys will take him as a quarterback one. I think that he's. You know, he's basically the poster boy for why you wait to draft a quarterback in these 10 or 12 team one quarterback leagues, because, you know, people are going to reach for Mayfield, I think, a little bit. And, um, you know, and then you end up with really quality starters that you can stream or, you know, maybe two guys. I mean, we're going to be talking about Baker Mayfield going ahead of Ben Roethlisberger. I know you don't like either of them. I was just going to ask you, where you, do you, which one of them you would rather have over the course of the year? I, I mean, I would be... I would be, oh man, that's a tough. really tough call. Yeah, I would, tough. I would probably take Mayfield, but I w I won't ever get him because I won't draft him high enough to get him. Basically, yeah. you know, like I, I think that I'm likelier to end up with Roethlisberger just because like I'll wait and he'll be there, and you know, I think that he may have even flipped the switch to being slightly underrated from a fantasy perspective, but Mayfield's just the sexy name. So he's going to go high. I mean, wouldn't surprise me at all. If in the majority of our leagues, we see him go, you know, top three amongst quarterbacks, which is crazy to me, but it's yeah. 
I, mean, I, I think I think a safer bet is is Nick Chubb. I mean, what do you see out of Nick Chubb? He's a guy that uh, obviously they've they've traded away assets like Carlos Hyde and and then Duke Johnson this offseason uh, to to give Nick Chubb really the featured back role in this backfield. How good can he be in a featured back role? I think he can be really good. Um, I, I mean, it just depends on how much they're willing to run the ball. I mean, when you combine Freddie Kitchens with Todd Monken and you think about Tampa Bay last year and how little they use their running backs, that's just the only consideration is, you know, how much running will they do? And I think it's fair to to wonder because, I, I mean, I think that the skill is all there, and especially with those receivers out there, very few teams are going to stack the box to stop Nick Chubb. Um, but you know, it's all about opportunity. And I think that that's got to be the question mark there. And then of course, when Kareem Hunt gets back, you just have to wonder what kind of workload he ends up stealing from Chubb in the playoffs, your fantasy playoffs. It is, is David and Joku, are you ready to, t- to give him a huge leap forward and make him a, a, a legitimate tight end starter in, in, uh, in a fantasy league? Um, I'm a little, I, I mean, I could see it, but I would be a little hesitant just because think of the mouths that have to be fed here. If, assuming everyone's healthy, you've got Chubb, you've got Hunt eventually. Callaway has looked good at times. I mean, uh, Hollywood Higgins has looked much better. Of course, Jarvis Landry, who's a guy that I know you like. And, you know, I just, I think there are too many mouths to feed to really count on David Njoku, but I think he'll be a fine uh, bi-week fill and I think that he'll get drafted in almost every league certainly as well. All right, let's get to the, the, the topic that I wanted to hear about this Cleveland Browns team, and that is just the insane odds. And I know it's because people are just <laughs> dumping money on it because they're the sexiest pick ever. But plus 115 on Bovada to win the AFC North. They're plus 600, third best odds behind New England and Kansas City to win the AFC. I, when you look at the Super Bowl odds, they're the sixth best odds tied with the Bears at plus 1,200, which I don't like the Bears there either, and the Eagles are also mm-hmm. at plus 1,200. But is Bovada crazy? Is the general betting public crazy? Or am I crazy? <laughs> All of the above. No, I think that uh, I think that it's probably, you know, I don't blame Bovada for sure. They're, they're just reacting to what people are betting on. I mean, if you make it any lower – Cleveland fans and Chicago fans are just going to go crazy and bet like, you know, mad on these guys. It's the same thing with the Cubs. You see it every year. The Cubs get absolutely hammered. Um, you know, this is the sexy team right now. And I, I'm I'm I don't how you can put them ahead of the Chargers in the AFC hierarchy blows my mind, even with throwing James, your boy out. I, I just I, I don't know. I don't know how that happens. But I, I mean, I guess it's just fans really, really love this team. I, they are really talented top to bottom. I, I have questions about Greg Robinson as our left tackle, which is a huge factor when you have a small quarterback, but you know, that is what it is. They're, they're going to roll into this year. Very, very highly touted. They're going to, all eyes are on the Browns. They're going to be on TV every single week for sure. You'll, you'll be able to find a way to watch them if you want to. And nice. uh, it all, <laughs> it all works together, man. It, it is what it is. Unfortunately, uh, if you're a hater, so um, you know it, it's going to be interesting. But I, I would not, I do not like those odds. I would be fading the Browns for sure. Yeah, and I'm definitely kidding when I say pass. I'm more excited to watch the Browns this year than any other team. I've never wanted to root against the team as much as I want to root against. Oh. I'm just kidding. I've obviously wanted, oh. to root, wanted to root against the Steelers my entire life uh, harder. But no, I, I I think that this team is is very intriguing. The offensive pieces that they have there are the best that they've been probably in in my lifetime. Uh, so you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they put it together. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of close friends that are very big Browns fans, and some of them I, you know, would be happy to see them have success. So others, Dan Bauer? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, others, others, I will be rooting against them solely uh, to see them fail. But all right, we've talked about all 32 NFL teams. We've we've gone through a preview of every division. We've touched on them all, aren't you? All right. Let's get to the let. <laughs> <laughs> There's one to go. One to go. There's one irrelevant the team. Save the worst team in the NFL for last. Uh, Bavada <laughs> agrees with me. Uh, so we'll touch on the Cincinnati Bengals just briefly before we do get to the leftovers. Uh, but Anshu, I, I just I don't know what to believe going into this year. We've had two linemen retire. AJ Green gets hurt <laughs> in training camp. Andy Dalton plays horrible. Uh, in the preseason up to this point. I mean, our best player in the preseason so far has been Ryan Finley. What am I going to do this year? Should I just take Sundays and and figure out a new hobby? Or what what do I have this year for me? 
Listen, man, I've got so much green and gold stuff that you could be wearing disappointedly with me. No, I think that they're – look, I think that the Bengals – here's the optimism. This is a glass-half-full perspective because I know you don't have it. I, I just – I think that, you know, when you look at the beginning of last year and how good they were until things kind of fell apart injury-wise for them, they were well on their way to making the playoffs. That's just a fact. Like That was the weakest part of their schedule. They were still what four and one, five and one. Yeah, they were four and one. Four and one. And they were they were on phase. And then, <laughs> and then Mixon, you know, things happen. AJ Green gets banged up. They they obviously lose certain pieces. Eifert, of course, as is tradition, gets hurt. And uh, I mean, I just I think that now that they have a twenty first century offense, I just I'm I'm excited to see what they look like. I think that that's you know the Bengals are sort of. You know, when you look around at this division, they're definitely the team with the least amount of, I guess, notoriety, right now. Well, expectation for sure. But like, I'm I'm excited to see them. I'm obviously going to yield the floor to you in a sec. But I just, uh, you know, I I wouldn't say I'm a neutral observer. I definitely root with you guys. I want to see you guys happy with your team. But I I, I think that they're they're going to provide more upside than you know maybe you think that or maybe the public thinks. Um, but I'm, I'm just, I'll yield the floor to you. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Zach Taylor? What are your thoughts on, you know, obviously the injuries are, are tough, but I'm interested to hear the pieces. What, what do you like about this team going to this, this year? I mean, I'll be honest. There are a lot of pieces I'm really, really excited to see get back. And, you know, you, you think about what John Ross could be if he stays healthy and he's been dealing with some injuries this preseason. Cordy Glenn's had a concussion, so they've had some injuries. But if they can get Tyler Boyd, John Ross, A.J. Green, and Joe Mixon working and have a just a serviceable offensive line. They've had two offensive linemen retire. Cordy Glenn's probably not going to be ready until the season opener. And if he's not ready to go, I don't know what they're doing at tackle. Jonah Williams is likely to miss the whole year. He's their number one overall pick. So you have huge question marks on the offensive line. But with that being said, I'm really excited if they can stay healthy to see those offensive pieces. Tyler Eifert, you know, hopefully can stay healthy. That's been a huge question mark, but they add Drew Sample in the draft to kind of spell him. C.J. Uzama looked great at times. And then you've got Tyler Boyd who gets a new contract. If A.J. Green gets back healthy, they still have a very, very solid core on the offensive side of the ball. It's just that huge question mark, that big lingering question mark, is the offensive line going to give Andy Dalton enough time to be the mediocre Pro Bowl quarterback we've seen him be at times. And if they can do that, <laughs> he'll probably get another year to, to be mediocre. If, if they can't do that, then at least Andy Dalton's gone. But I am excited to see what, what Zach Taylor can do with this offense. I'm excited to see kind of a young breath of fresh air work with a very talented core on the offensive side of the ball. But I just – I worry so much about that offensive line. But then I look at the defense, and, you know, there's so many names that I'm excited to see. You have – Carl Lawson, who's coming back off of a huge injury. Jordan Willis and Sam Hubbard should take a step forward. Jesse Bates was one of the best rookies in the league last year at the safety position, and nobody knows his name. So I, I like what they have on the defensive side of the ball, aside from the linebacker position. Uh, the defensive William line Jackson. is back. They've got it's just William a year removed. Back. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, I, I do like what they have there. Darquez Denard uh, has been hurt. Drake Kirkpatrick has battled injuries. But if they can stay healthy on that side of the ball, I like the secondary. I like the the upfront uh, defensive line. So, I, I it, you know, Bovada's got us at plus five, Eric, at, at five and a half wins over under. I think that's fair. Uh, you know, our schedule's not the easiest. Our division is not the easiest. But the talent is... If they can make, if Zach Taylor can come in and make the most out of this talent, they still have a core that's playoff caliber core. It's just, do they have enough pieces around that core to make them worthy of even sniffing a playoff? And they could be anywhere. I honestly believe they could be anywhere from two and fourteen this year to ten and six. I, I wouldn't be surprised with any of those records. I completely agree with that. I was just going to say that the the spectrum of possibilities is very wide. I mean, if look, they're probably not winning week one in Seattle without AJ Green. That's just unfortunately the facts. But I, I think that when he gets back, you know, there, I, I was watching NFL network. They were at Cincinnati's uh, training camp out in Dayton the day that AJ gets hurt. And, you know, and they're talking about the players in that locker room very quietly, especially on offense. We're saying, look, if to a man, these guys relative to the Rams guys are very similar offensively. Like if you compare one versus one, every single one of those pieces before Sean McVay got there, 
I mean, they're they're right there with them. I mean, Mixon is not that much worse than Gurley. That's that's just a fact, if not better. Dalton and Goff. Goff looked like a total bust within two years of his career. AJ and, you know, Tyler Boyd and John Ross, you know, compare them with that group without, yeah, at the time, Brandon Cooks. I mean, why can't they make that leap? I, I just, I, I think that it's a little bit irrational to just write them off right away. I think five and a half is low. Um, I agree that they could fall out really quickly, especially if those offensive line issues compound their overall problems. But, you know, I would have loved to see Joan, seen Jonah Williams healthy. But like you said, that defense is so much better than, you know, what a lot of people think that they are. And, and I mean, you didn't even really mention some of the other guys. I, I love Andrew Billings. I still think that he can be a useful player. And, and you know, Jesse Bates and William Jackson are both really good cornerstones uh, to that secondary. So I'm with you. I think that this is an underrated top to bottom roster. And, you know, we talked about major holes on all these other three teams. I don't really see the Bengals having that if oh, Cordy my. Glenn is healthy. Mm. Yeah, but if Cordy Glenn's there at left tackle, I mean, so, all right, Look so fine. Your left guard. Your left guard. John Miller will be our guards. Yeah, but but I, I like, it's not good. It's not good. All right, but Bobby John Jerry, right tackle. Come on, man. Michael Jordan, you got the goat at left hand guard. I would hope that Michael Jordan gets a shot. I do, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what they're going to do with the O line. Hopefully, Cordy Glenn's healthy. Hopefully, Jonah Williams gets back at some point later in the year. They're still hopeful that that can happen, but it, it, by the point that he would, it, it's already probably going to be a lost cause. So yeah, I think I think that offensive line and linebacker. There's no depth at linebacker. I am really excited about Jermaine Pratt. Preston Brown comes back from injury, but. You, you, and Carl Lawson's kind of the wild card there because I think if he can play at, at the level that he was playing before he goes down, the linebacking core looks interesting. But mm-hmm. let's let's okay. let's bring it back to a fantasy perspective here because that's what this show's all about. I would love to hear your thoughts on where Joe Mixon should go in a fantasy draft. You know, he led the AFC in rushing yards last year. He's a guy they're going to utilize. They're going to get him the ball out of the backfield as, as a receiving uh, target as well. And, you know, there's been some concern whether or not Gio, Gio Bernard will be there for the long haul. They draft Travion Williams and Rodney Anderson, who I know you liked both of. But Joe Mixon, is he the type of running back that you can see going in a top five, top ten running back? Can he become what Todd Gurley was for L.A. under Zach Taylor? I mean, I think that that's really contingent on how much Zach Taylor wants to use Gio Bernard because I do love Rodney Anderson, but it's going to be these two guys. And if Mixon can stay healthy, if one of those, at least one of those guards comes up big, you know, I I think that right now he's going right around where your boy Dalvin Cook goes. I think that's about right. And, you know, any of those guys could turn into legit, you know, bell cow type number one you know, RB1s. The the only issue is just will Geo steal enough touches away from Mixon to keep him from being up there? Because talent-wise and opportunity-wise, he should be there. But, but again, the third down back thing scares me. So that's a tricky situation for Mixon, I think, uh, you know, just in terms of drafts. But I, I still think that I would take him. It'd be really tough for me to pass on Joe Mixon anytime after the first round. All right, last question I have for you as, as our fantasy expert is around Tyler Boyd. I've seen so many draft boards with Tyler Boyd ahead of A.J. Green, which I think is preposterous, but the numbers are there to support it, and A.J. Green just can't seem to stay on the field the last couple of years. That's, it's so tough. I mean, from your perspective, all the stuff you've read and what you've seen, where how long do you think A.J. is out? Because I think that you know one thing that you've always talked about with A.J. Green is that he rarely misses games that matter. Like, even if they don't matter, he's still playing. Late in the season, he still does it. So how long is A.J. over under, what, week two and a half? Where would you take that on when he comes back? I think he's going to miss the first game, and that's it, personally. Um, wow. I mean, A.J. wants to play. I, you know, the surgery wasn't, you know, significant surgery. It's something that he should be able to recover from relatively quickly. Uh, you know, he's still a top tier, in my opinion, top possibly three receivers in the league. He's a guy that... You know, I, I think still can play at that level. It's just he's had some injuries that have come up, and they, they aren't related to each other in any way. They're just really bad luck, unfortunately. He's had hamstring mm-hmm. issues. He's had foot issues. He's had ankle issues. They're not they're not directly correlated, but hopefully he can stay out there and, and be healthy enough to help this team win. I think I think he misses one game, and I think he's back. And I just I, I hope that he doesn't face these injury issues all year because it could completely change the complexion of this team. And when they don't have him, they are a different team and nobody is scared of this team without AJ green. So Tyler Boyd might end up being the more productive receiver, but if he is, it's because AJ green's on the field. 
Yeah, on a per game basis, I don't think it's really close. But, you know, when you look at, let's say AJ misses three games, I mean, it's very difficult to make up that amount of time, obviously, in terms of assuming Boyd just gets racked with targets, which he should, even with AJ Green, he should. But yeah, if he only misses one game, I mean, no question in my mind, he should go higher. He should be going way higher. And I agree with you. I think talent-wise, he's top three. But let's also not forget the other factor here, which is that he is playing for a new column track, and that's a huge deal for AJ Green. I'm sure that he's going to be out there as quickly as he can to try to make that money, too. He for sure wants to be. All right. I, I, you've made me feel slightly better, at least to, you know, the good thing about the beginning of football season is that you are O and O until week one is behind you. And no matter what, we're going to be out there rooting for our teams. And I think that that's kind of the, the beauty of the beginning of any sports season. I mean, you, you think back to the beginning of this baseball season, which we're going to touch on very briefly because we've gone long, but you think back to the beginning of the season, we're excited about certain players being called up, excited about what we're going to see about Eloy. You have Luis Robert, who is just having a breakout season and you're our white Sox. You have Timmy Anderson who has a breakout season. Moncada looks like the player that we traded for. So Mm -hmm. you have that excitement at the beginning of the year that starts to waver as your team starts to prove that they're what we thought they were going to be. But at the beginning of the year, it's it's all about the hope, and I think that that's the exciting thing about getting into this. And obviously, we're we're on a fantasy football show right now. We we love talking about the players, and you know, I think you and you and I in particular, there's a lot of players on our teams that we really like, in spite of you know their success or lack thereof for the past few years. Absolutely, couldn't agree with you more. Hope, hope springs eternal in the fall, and. Uh... Yeah, very, very excited. I just, you know, (laughs) it's always, you know, there's always going to be disappointment when there's expectations, too. So we have to brace ourselves for that a little bit as well, I think, unfortunately. Agreed, my friend. All right, let's real quick get to the leftovers. We wanted to just talk a little bit about baseball. We haven't done that at all on either show this week. Uh, So, you know, obviously we've made it now through all of our division previews. We talked a lot about betting. We talked a lot about fantasy. Uh, We've got... Some baseball left to be played this year before that is all said and done. Uh, Anshu, I just wanted to kind of touch on each division just really briefly and get your thoughts. Obviously, the big news in the AL East was around Chris Sale. He is shut down for what looks like the rest of the regular season. This is a huge loss for Boston, who's been fighting for a wild card spot. Does this completely put them out? Is this the knockout punch? I think so. Uh, I think it's going to be really, really tough for them. They're already six games back of the Rays, and you know the Rays are right around where the Indians are. So I think right now, Fangraphs has the Red Sox at four point five percent to make the playoffs, and uh, you know without your best pitcher, I think you can remove or knock that down another notch or two. So uh, you know for the defending champions, this is a it's a tough blow for sure. Not a great look. What about your your uh, Cleveland Indians? I know you you are always high on the Cleveland Indians, but they're reeling the last ten. Obviously, you know they're waiting to get Kluber back. Carrasco's been, I think he had his first rehab assignment this week, so he's working on getting back, even if it's in a relief role. But the, the tribe, I mean, it looked like they were going to run away with this thing, and now Minnesota's climbing back up by a few games. Yep, and bad news for Corey Kluber. It sounds like he's not oh, going to yes, be back yep, till September. Yep. Strained his oblique. He's going to be on the shelf for two weeks. So they're going to have to ride it out with what they've got, I think, until at least the end of the regular season. Fortunately for Indians fans, it looks like they're going to hang on. I mean, it's it's going to be tough. They've got to hang on or hold off the A's and raise, or at least one of them. And uh, I think that they will, if not, win the division outright against the Twins. Um, they still have a lot. We've talked to ad nauseum about their, their pitching and obviously adding the two bats uh, in the Bauer trade. But I still feel feel strongly that the Indians are going to make the playoffs, but I, I feel less strongly about them making a big run if Corey Kluber is not a part of it. All right. The West, we know the Astros are winning the West, but I just wanted to real quick, between the Rays and, and the A's, who, who do you think has a better chance to make a deep deep run? Ooh, a deep run. I, I mean, I think that the Rays are just more interesting. They're a better team top to bottom. And I just I think that they're more likely to do the little thing that pisses off a good team, you know, and, and kind of gets them to play left handed, so to speak. And so I, I do like the Rays a little bit more. I, I've liked them all year. I like what Kevin Cash does. And um, I like generally their talent. They've, they're so deep. They use every single man on their 25 man. And, and I mean, they're going to use every one when they go to the playoffs as well. So I would look to them to, to use more creativity with their matchups, kind of with like what the Brewers did uh, in the early rounds last year. 
All right, let's shift over to the NL and quickly touch on the divisions over here. We've got the NL East. The Braves look to be running away with it there, but the Nats' bats have been on fire lately. You've had the Phillies. I know you love seeing Bryce Harper hit that Grand Slam walk-off against the uh, – oh, or walk-off Grand Slam Moment the of the season. And, and then the Mets, the hottest team since the All-Star break. They're cooling down a little bit, but uh, of these three teams, who do you like the most? I mean, the Mets have been hot, um, and, you know, their pitching is so good. But, I, I you know, like you said, I mean, they're, they've cooled off a little bit. They were riding the wave there for a minute. But I think that the Nationals are the better team. The fact that they are up a couple games on the Mets, they've weathered the storm, and Max Scherzer's coming back ready now. We were talking offline about this, but Scherzer, Strasburg, and, and Corbin, uh, if you can throw those three guys back-to-back-to-back, and then you've also Eric Fetty's been a lot better here uh, down the stretch. So they've got some pieces there that make them very dangerous. And then that young lineup, man, top to bottom, you got Rendon and Soto, Robles, um, you know, they're, they're loaded. So I think that the Nationals are a dangerous team. Uh, they're probably not winning this division over the, the Braves, but I like them a lot if they're able to make a run in the playoffs. All right, the NL Central, the Brewers, your team, uh, you know, here in the National League, they just they just are reeling, and you know the, the Cubs with an opportunity to pull away are not doing themselves any favors. Is one of these teams going to ultimately put it together and make the playoffs, or do you think that there's a chance that both the Cubs and the Brewers can find themselves on the outside looking in? There's absolutely a chance. The only team that seems to be overplaying their ability is the Cardinals, and yeah. you know Dakota Hudson put together a really good game. The Reds are are gallantly trying to kind of stay above water, but they're not doing a great job. Just Aquino is just absurd, and, and maybe they're able to parlay that into a big win streak, but they just haven't been able to recently because of their bullpen being so, so bad. Um, you know, the Brewers have just had too many pitching injuries. I feel like that attrition is going to end up wearing them down. Um, but if they're able to somehow get those pitchers back in time, you know, they – there's still time. There's still, you know, a good, what, 40 games left in this season. So 36 games. So, you know, they've got a shot and, and the Cubs certainly do as well to, to try to get hot. But I know right now Cub fans are very, very down on this team and for good reason. They just have not been able to close games very well consistently. Yeah, and neither of the San Francisco Giants, who looked really, really good coming out of the All-Star break as well, uh, just like we were talking about uh, with the Mets. But they've they've kind of cooled off a little bit as well. Do you think their chances are falling by the wayside as well? Yeah, I mean, they're the Giants, Diamondbacks, Car- Brewers, Cardinals. They're, I mean, not the Cardinals as much, but Brewers and Mets and, and Phillies. They're all kind of hanging around trying to hope that one of those better wild current wildcard sitting teams are, are falling off. But you know, I think one of these teams is going to squeeze in with like 88, 86, 87 wins. And, uh, you know, and who, it could be the Giants. It could be the Diamond. Ba- I mean, it definitely could be the Giants. I think they're they're a dangerous team just because of Bumgarner and, you know, some of the other pitchers that they have. But ultimately, again, I, I just don't think their lineup has enough pop. And uh, I just I think that one of those NL Central teams is likelier to, to grab that second spot. Fair enough. And, you know, one thing that could potentially put a wrench into any of these playoff hopefuls is injury concerns. And one of the teams that's been the top of the, the heap all year has been the Astros. They put both both Carlos Correa back on the I.L. along with Aaron Sanchez, who they acquired at the trade deadline. So those are two big moves for the Astros. But uh, unlike the teams vying for those wild card spots, the Astros have a little bit of a head start here when we look yeah. at the playoff push. All right, Anshu, it's been a long show. It's been a great week. We got two big ones out for you guys this week to close out the predictions. We're going we're gonna to have some fun things in the coming weeks leading up to the week one of the fantasy and NFL season, and uh, we will definitely be getting you some more of that content. But, Anshu, was there anything you wanted to add? No, oh, by the ways, but any comments? Uh, no, sir. Enjoy the, the dress rehearsals that continue throughout this weekend, and we'll be you know responding to them next week, do some predictions next week. Indeed, our time on this Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour has come to an end. We will see you guys next week.